We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore! And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone! He pounded on three! One, two, three! He Panthers fans, another game day recap edition of the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. John Ellis, Billy Marshall, already doing some film study on a Monday night here with Billy, uh, taking a look at things from Carolina's 31 to 17 loss at uh, Tampa to the hands of Tom Brady and an outstanding defensive effort uh, once again by Todd Bowles. And the Bucks will dive into that, give you some uh, statistical breakdowns, a little bit of analytics from Billy's side, a little bit of a uh, general view from my side. And uh, some film nuggets as well, since the NFL decided to release the tape on time this week, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Billy, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, man, I'm just watching a few clips before our 
show tonight. I just saw the first half, so I, I think it gives me a pretty good idea. Um, I saw the condensed version earlier, but outside of that, doing pretty well. Good, yeah. I saw the uh, the clips coming out today. Of course, there's there's the uh, there's the peasants like us who get the tape a little bit late, and there's the the league partners who get it the day of, like Baldinger, and then you see a few guys uh, with mm-hmm. the bigger outlets get it. And of course, I saw a couple of our friends leaking out some clips, and I said, "Let me go check." And I said, "Oh boy, uh, that's always like uh, Christmas morning to get that film." Anyway, we'll talk about that and uh, give you guys a little bit of breakdown of what we've seen so far. It always helps to see the tape. But uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Billy, is the big story today. Four to six weeks, it looks like, with a high ankle sprain. Matt Rule talked to the media today, uh, unwilling to commit to a time frame or IR. For Let's just uh, open up there, Billy, your thoughts on what this loss means to Carolina in the short term. Sure. So certainly it hurts in the short term uh, because McCaffrey uh, is such a big part of their offense. Obviously, in general, whenever you lose a running back, um, that position can be replaced uh, because of the nature of the position and how much importance the offensive line is um, to creating a structurally sound running game. Uh, but for the Panthers, I think it's a little different because of how they use McCaffrey in the past game and also how they use him uh, in the run game too. So certainly it's going to be, the impact is going to be felt. Uh, I didn't really think Mike Davis played well yesterday. Uh, I, I know a lot of people, you know, sound confident in him, but me personally, I think there's, um, you know, some issues with his running style and his making sure that he's reading the right holes. So uh, for me, I, I think it's it's a little different than maybe years past where you would have like a dependable backup. And I, I just don't think the Panthers have that. Uh, but Hey, who knows? I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, two year last year this time we were Panthers rowing to uh, right. Cam Newton went to IR. They went out to the West Coast, which is what they'll do this week, yeah. and they surprised everyone by winning. So maybe you know that same story could uh, develop here too. I like a positive Billy Marshall. I love that. Yeah, you, let's think on the bright side here because I agree with you. you know, look, it's there's a lot of eerily similar, eerily similar things to last year with you know week two, Tampa Bay. Your franchise player at this point sustaining a, a, a lower leg injury there and uh, missing extended time. And we, what you hope is it's an ankle injury, of course. And look, to quote the great David Tepper, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. So who knows? But uh, I don't know what this means for him long term. Obviously, high ankle is not a fun injury, but it's it's not a foot injury, it sounds like. So I think he's got a good prognosis long term. To your point about the short term, yeah, I wouldn't count a team out yet because they're there, to me, there's still some winnable games ahead of them. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm trying to live week to week here, Billy. You know, it's rough because you look at the mm-hmm. season from a 1 to 16 perspective and you don't see a lot of wins. But there's a lot of things that can happen in this league. I know I sound like Mark Slareth here being very generic with my analysis, but it, it, it's to your point. I mean, they went out last year. Nobody gave that unit a chance after you know Cam went down and uh, Kyle played well and the line played great and the defense was outstanding against a very dynamic Kyler Murray, and uh, they're going to have to bring a lot of that energy against uh, an up-and-coming L.A. Chargers team who uh, now has a fascinating young quarterback that looks to be uh, ready to start, Justin Herbert, again. So we'll, we'll talk about that matchup as well. Um, the game itself, yeah, again, McCaffrey will miss some time. Mike Davis, to your point, will likely uh, be the go-to uh, guy in the backfield now, and uh, Reggie Bonifant, of course, from the uh, practice squad looks like he'll – 
uh, according to some of the reports out there, be promoted up this week, and we'll just have to see how they utilize those guys. Um, I thought Mike did some decent things like you. A lot of it was check downs late, and I don't want to say garbage time, but again, they were trying to play catch up there and get a late score, and he, he had some production there. Uh, I saw one clip in uh, the fourth quarter, I believe, where he kind of whiffed on a on a, a pass protection, and that's not something you want to see, but he's a physical runner. And uh, I, I think they'll try to use him in a more conventional way. And you're right. You know, it's hard when you invest that much in a position and you're putting 97% of your utilization into it, basically. And uh, that was the stat I saw yesterday, 97% this year so far. It's an early sample size. But he's been in between, you know, 92, 93, 95, 97%. And when you don't have a Jonathan Stewart back there to balance that out, um, some of the better teams out there, you know, Sean Payton comes to mind. He's always taken that approach of, look, we need balance in the backfield in case something like this happens to give guys a rest and to utilize. So we'll see what happens. Uh, as we look back at some of the highlights from what happened in this game, let's start with the offense. Uh, it was not the best day for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, we, we can't beat around the bush there. You and I have been very fair, I think, about our analysis with Teddy. We, we don't always agree with each other on it, but I think in general we see him as a point guard, distributor type, a pretty good processor of the offense, a guy that won't get you in trouble, a guy that will be protective of the football. And, Lordy Billy, he was not. <laughs> three turnovers, uh, three of which, if I'm grading him out on tape, I'm putting most of it squarely on his shoulders. Your thoughts on those? Yeah, certainly uh, just from my initial um, you know, viewing experience in the first half of the L22. Uh, I would say that Bridgewater's first half was a little better than I anticipated. I thought it would be like a Kyle Allen type disaster, which it wasn't. Uh, and by, by that, I mean, I'm just looking overall at his some of his uh, metrics uh, that he performed yesterday. And I'm looking at the EPA per play. And once again, this stands for expected points added. Right. Uh, and that was a negative, negative 0.14. So that's never a good thing. And a, just to help our listeners out here, Billy, that aren't as sophisticated as, as you are with this stuff, and I'm learning too, what's a good baseline number for that? Yeah, usually, so like I, I, average would be zero. So Jesus is a little under, under par in, in terms of the EPA right. yesterday. Okay. Um, and, and so, I mean, he certainly didn't do well. And then, you know, the three turnovers doesn't help him either. I, I think that the fumble. And there was a, a war going on in my mentions when I put the clip of that fumble because <laughs> people were blaming Teddy and other people were blaming the offensive line and it just it went out of hand. Anyway, I, <laughs> Twitter I, at its finest. <laughs> I personally don't blame him for okay. the fumble. Okay. Um. I mean. I mean. Obviously, he should be protecting the ball, but I don't blame him for uh, you know what happened essentially. And that, by that, I mean the pressure. Uh, you know, it came from you know, the the right guard area, yeah. and you know the Todd Bowles just brought a really impressive blitz, and there was really nothing um, Teddy could do there. I, maybe he could have done a little better in the pocket, but overall, I thought his pocket movement was really good in this game. So I'm not going to criticize him too much for that because uh, I, I want to take a look at the abstract instead of just one individual play. Sure. Um, but yeah, the two interceptions were clearly just poor throws right. um, and that can't happen. Now, interestingly enough, PFF did actually grade Bridgewater pretty uh, well. They gave him a 71.5 grade um, okay. and that was top five 
um, on the team yesterday. Um, you know, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Okung, and uh, and actually Mike Davis had a pretty good game according to PFF. Um, I, I disagree with the Davis ranking, but everything else, maybe even the Bridgewater, I don't know. Uh, but everything else looks uh, fine. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't a good game. Um, I mean, but he did do some good things at times as far as his ability to move the offense down the field. Uh, I mean, this is a good defense that we're talking about. So they got oh, yeah, sure. in the red zone four times. Um, obviously, the turnover and then two touchdowns and an interception. Yeah, I'm looking at the play again that we mentioned uh, with the fumble. Let's start there. And I I, I don't want to, you know, I, I said during the game, look, bring that Kyle Allen energy again. Why we do is satire on our page. So you all just need to chill the hell out. <laughs> Teddy here, I'm looking at it again. Good pocket movement. They brought a, a slot blitz with Winfield, who I thought played very well in this game. Very dynamic defensive back rookie for uh, Tampa. His father played, of course, in the league. Shaq Barrett was able to pull uh, Moten out there. And then uh, you've got Levante David sitting right there, uh, almost in a, a bit of a spy position, just ready to swallow him up. And it happens. But uh, had the pocket held up there, you know, and again, I, I said this in a tweet earlier. Uh, this is another deep shot opportunity with DJ Moore. Again, it would have to be a great throw, but he, he gets by the corner at about the 50, and uh, there's no safety help there, and that's the coverage they ran. And uh, obviously there's a, there's a seam route there in the middle, but yeah, you know, you can't put it all on Teddy on that one. The other two, the moon ball screen pass, that was disappointing. I mean, I don't think there was anything there. Uh, 93 Sue was right there, a little bit in his face, but I don't think there was a need to, to rock it that thing, you know, 20 yards over McCaffrey's head. I think he could have slipped it inside and gotten a nice gain. And then, of course, the um, the third one, you know, <clears throat> that's tough because, you know, there's pressure inside. And uh, Todd did it all day. He ran stunts. He, he did blitzes. And that's, you know, we talked to John Ledyard last week, and that's what Todd Bowles is, is known for. And we knew it was coming, and the line just obviously – did, did not hold up as well on that play. You'd like to see a better throw on that little dagger inside, but uh, I mean, it, it's tough because that that's that's the game right there, and they're right there in one possession territory on the road against the very good Bucks team, and uh, a fatal error. So you, I mean, you turn the ball over four times, plus the fake punt, which we'll get to. Um, that's five basically giveaways on the road against Tampa and Tom Brady, and I'm surprised, obviously, that. Uh, Brady did not score more points against uh, what I thought was a pretty good defensive effort by Carolina. So that's uh, kind of my take on the bad side of Teddy. The, the the positives, you mentioned, you know, the EPA and some of what he did well. I'd like to know how maybe PFF grades these things out by quarter because I don't know if some of the late stuff he got production-wise adds into their calculus. I don't know their formula well enough. I'm sure they have a very refined system of, of sort of weighing that down but overall statistically i mean he threw the ball over 40 times he had 300 yards that's production but he, it, some of the throws he made when he had a clean pocket were fine um i think again you just got to avoid the fatal errors bill you can't do that Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, our local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to stop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contact 
contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Let me just give you an idea. Um, under no pressure yesterday, um, you know, Teddy was 25 of 30, right. about 276 yards. Oh, excuse hmm. me, that, that's for the season. Sorry. Um, that's still good. For the season? Was, uh, yeah. So for the season, I think he's 25 of 32 and 76 yards. And the, the line is holding up pretty well. Uh, I know we can quibble with some of the players on the interior, but I think the tackles are reliable and uh, sure. you know the interior guys are doing a decent enough job um, in pass protection so right. i have no obviously you i have issues but i don't really have major concerns right now yeah everything well, i'm going to just get this elephant off the table right now and we'll move on from it in a very short amount of time the cam newton effect plays into this and you know i'm guilty look i i feed my followers content from the cam newton side they're going to get a nice dose of it because, look, Cam's a guy that people are fascinated with. I'm fascinated by it. But there's going to be a natural comparison every game that Bridgewater has to live up to. And, and what I need to remind people of is Cam is running an entirely different offense right now than, than what we're doing here in Carolina. Uh, I, I'm not certain that it's fair to compare the two guys. It's fun watching what Cam and McDaniels is, are doing up there, and that, that's their stuff, and that's great. And obviously, come to my Twitter, and, and I'm sure Billy will have plenty of stuff this year, too, on it. But as far as what Carolina's doing, you got to focus on the now and what Bridgewater did yesterday. Um, to me, the reason he's here is to, to be a sufficient distributor of the football and to occasionally hit the deep shot while not putting his team at risk. And I don't think he did a great job yesterday in that, but uh, that's – that's my analysis, and that's where we'll go from there. In terms of uh, what I'm seeing on tape so far from the wideouts, um, and just looking at the stat sheet, I, I'm, I'm still baffled by Curtis Samuel. Um, two targets. I've not looked at the whole tape yet, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, I know that Robbie had 10 targets, 9 for 109. Very effective. DJ had his best game of the year, 120 yards, 8 receptions. Um your, your thoughts on what's going on overall with the receiving core, and uh, where, where do you think the team is with Curtis right now? Um, I'm not sure. Again, I'm with you. I have to watch the tape again to see what the route distribution is like. Yeah, I mean, there were a few times. There's, you know, from just my 100-degree view, it just seems like they are you know, force-feeding the ball underneath. They're giving him, like, handoffs and yeah. reverses screens you know bubble screens so i don't know if that's playing into the you know decision to kind of yeah not target him elsewhere but you know in my opinion i think you know getting a better idea of what the route distribution looks like might uh, you know provide a more tangible uh, you know, answer to how they're utilizing him. But yeah. you know, for now, it, it just seems like Anderson is a guy who is primarily like, you know, hitting the vertical parts of the field while more is more of a, you know, all over the field, essentially doesn't really have like, you know, his strengths in one particular part. Um, some of what you posted uh, in terms of your clips on this game, I, I do like the one route more ran on the, I think it was the, the deep dig route. 
And he, he looked a little more refined there. Obviously, uh, Mark Slareth took issue with his route during the game. He felt he rounded it out a little bit and didn't put the uh, corner in a more compromising position. I don't think it was a terrible route, but I think DJ's coming along there in terms of uh, you know his route running. It, it still leaves a little bit to be desired at times. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's never going to be a good route runner. I mean, yeah. Well, that's you know, obviously, I've heard I've heard that take from from a lot of people I trust and you as well. And uh, I I I don't I don't know how much higher you can go with your ceiling there. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you can improve upon it and you can refine it. But uh, he is what he is. Um, you get the ball in his hands, let him be the bowling ball that he is in the open field. I think maybe they could do a little more of that, but hard to argue with that production. I mean, 120 yards is a, a pretty effective game. Um, and then, you know, Samuel, you know, let's take a closer look. I mean, obviously, you know, we want to give our listeners here a, a good view because he's a Curtis has become a bit of a, a, a hot button topic uh, over the past year. You know, he gets a lot of attention um, in terms of uh, the sort of Twitter Panthers media um, bubble here and, and even locally with some of the fans. Uh, and then there's some, you know, national guys that, that love the guy. Um, I'm, I'm kind of half and half on him. Honestly, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's got some body catching issues at times, but I think he's underutilized. And, um, until we get a closer look at what the Joe Brady is doing, or maybe Teddy's not seeing it or they're not getting him open. Uh, you know, I can't really speak to it, but the tight end position's not really a factor right now, either Billy. It's interesting. Man hurts had one target, uh, Ian Thomas had no targets. Uh, it seems like they're using these tight ends formationally uh, to set other guys up for routes. What are your thoughts on the tight end uh, play right now from a receiving standpoint? And are you noticing anything from from their end on the blocking side? Uh, with the tight ends? Yeah, tight end play. Uh, yeah, they're pretty quiet today or yesterday. So I, I really don't. I, this is something that I have to analyze a little further, and I'm sure you will too. Sure. Uh, with the coaches' film, but yeah, overall, I thought they were pretty quiet in the passing game. Uh, you know, blocking wise, they did some pretty good things. I mean, Ian Thomas didn't have one target, so yeah. um, that was a little weird. Manhurts, yeah, Manhurts did get one target, which mm-hmm. um, you know he did catch. So credit to him for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we need to kind of dig deeper into why. Um, you know, targets are not being distributed as well as sure. we like. Because right now it just seems focused on one of the running backs, Anderson, or more. There's a very and, limited scope of, yeah, what they're and, doing here. And that's yeah, and, and so this offense has plenty of available targets to distribute around the field. So, yeah. you know, if Teddy is not, you know, distributing it like that, then... It begs the question, is it the player that's not doing the job or is it just a product of, you know, what the route and schemes are being asked? And, sure. you know, that's going to be a question that hopefully the film provides and maybe even the coaches and during your press conferences. And there's nothing easy about facing a Todd Bowles defense. Obviously, last week it was a cleaner game overall because, uh, you know, you're not facing the, the challenge defensively with uh, Las Vegas. But uh there, there were some opportunities there. It seems like schematically, and again, we're just talking from a macro level here, uh, they're running a lot of empty stuff, but it's not five wide. A lot of it's, you know, 11, 21 personnel at times where they're trying to get matchups inside the numbers uh, based on how they break out of the huddle there. And uh, they did a good job opening up the game against the Raiders of that, and it got Robbie inside on that uh, little slant route. But um in terms of uh, what they're running off of that, a lot of uh, 12 personnel, a lot of two tight ends, 
Uh, I see a lot of Thomas and Manhurts in there together. They're running a lot of uh, uh, they're running game out of that, and uh, occasionally they're trying to take their deep shots from that, which is something I think we talked about in the offseason with some of the Sean Payton influence uh, being, you know, right there in front of you. So we'll just have to see what's going on with the tight ends. Obviously, you know, Ian is in a big year now. He needs to kind of uh, demonstrate his ability to to be a producer, um, and Manhurts is there to block, and, you know, that's where they're at with that. Um so you shift over to the defense a little bit. Again, offensively, it was a, a, a explosive game at times, but too many turnovers, too many giveaways, and just too many miscues. Um, just a, a macro level view, Billy, of the defense yesterday. You know, obviously the first half was a little bit tough sledding at times. Uh, Tom Brady appears to be uh, losing a little bit on some of these throws. I saw your flea flicker there. Was <laughs> uh, oof. Um, just talk about Carolina's defense. What what do you think they did good, and where can they improve? So I thought, yeah, it's tough to really. Um, I just think the the Bucks offense didn't look great, and I think there were drops on their end. Brady did not play well. I, I don't know how much he has left in him. Um, you know, Carolina's run defense did okay uh, for the most part. You know, outside of that last run, which. I mean, it still counts in the score sheet, but uh, there's really not much you can do in that situation. Um, But, yeah, outside of that, it it was just a weird type of game as far as the Bucs are concerned because they they get the turnover on the fourth fumble and then the next play they throw a touchdown to Mike Evans. Um, You know, LaShawn McCoy dropped a touchdown in the end zone. He did, Um, yeah. That means Scotty Miller also came close to it, catching a touchdown in the end zone. So there was a few like weird drops. Uh, Brady didn't look great. So it was an offense that I was a little disappointed in, uh, given the hype that they've been receiving. So uh, it's showing the year, so maybe they pick it up later. But uh, overall, um, not really impressed with Tampa's offense. More, yeah, But Carolina's defense, I guess, did some – okay things uh but from my end just looking speaking on the first half and a little portion of the second half that i've seen they were still biting very heavily on play action yes um at times you know two players would take the wrong gaps in when they were defending the run uh there was still some miscommunications at times and you know players just got fortunate that either passes were inaccurate or dropped it's the same old story, Billy. I mean, you're 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 not getting the impact plays you need from the front line there. I mean, I, I like what Brian Burns continues to do in terms of uh, his pass rush on the edge. I think some of the spin moves were effective. He affected uh, one of Brady's throws there. Uh, Zach Kerr, of course, playing in in place of the injured uh, Kawan Short, did a nice job on one play where he uh, moved the left guard and, and affected the. Uh, Dante Jackson pick, I think, got that ball floating a little bit from Brady's end. So, I mean, there were opportunities there defensively with where Tampa is right now. And I think something we had talked about with Ledyard last week was how they're they're still getting the feel for things down there with Brady, with Arians, with limited practice time, with the, this whole being a new situation for, for Gronk there, who had one target, no catches. Of course, another P.I. on Whitehead which you don't want to see him in coverage. Uh, how many times we got to say that, but that's where they're at. Um, 
I mean, that's shit. that's their issue, though. That's yeah. I, well, it is. They they made their bed. They got a lie in it. I mean, that's where they wanted to go. They wanted a communicator. They wanted somebody who knew Matt Rule and the Temple way and the Temple culture or whatever they're looking for. And uh, I mean, it's just he's just not that good. I'm sorry, he's just not. Um, he was the worst for your defensive player. On by the way, according to yeah, focus. I'm sure. I'm sure the run fits were were not good, and you know the. The pass defense, we've talked about this, his coverage. You know, gosh, how many times do we talk about it preseason, Billy, in our preview that this was going to be a spot of bother? And they're just going to keep attacking it. Teams with tight ends, teams in the middle of the field, uh, even with backs on these angle routes, they're going to attack Whitehead, and that's a problem. So at some point you have to just understand that's where they're at. Uh, Rasul Douglas, seven tackles. I thought he had a pretty decent game in terms of uh, his coverage and in terms of his physicality and run support. Jeremy Chin continues to uh, produce with six tackles. Team overall, I mean, you're looking at uh, the way it hey, was statistically laid out in the game sheet here. Um, three tackles for loss, one quarterback hit technically. I think there were a few more hurries than that. But, um, you know, this this front line, again, Billy, without Yatur uh, Grossmatos, uh, at least right now, without K1 Short and uh, some of the offenses they're looking to face here, I mean, what can you do? I mean, if you can't get pressure consistently, particularly on the inside, it's not going to be pretty, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, right now, Brian Burns is like the only one who's actually, you know, producing any type of pressure overall. Um, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, they only had five total pressures, and, um, you know, two of them came from Burns, and I clipped both of them and posted it. Right. Um, it, so yeah, I mean it, it's it's certainly an issue. I mean there's really nothing else you can say about it. I mean just to give you an idea, um, you know their other guy who's getting pressure is Zach Kerr, and he's mainly like a run stuffer. He's right now we haven't. Yeah. yeah, we haven't really seen Derek Brown do anything. Um, I mean I'll give any rookie uh, more time before you know I start providing any type of criticism, but I mean it's still early. It's so. what it is. Right now, he was the third worst graded defender. Um, you know, the two below him were Trey Boston, who did not have a good game, and nope, <laughs> and to hear Whitehead. Um, yeah. but just speaking, I'll try to speak on you know some of the players who did play well, and you know, obviously, the first name is Brian Burns. And just speaking from, I think he's becoming a much more of a complete defender, um, which I didn't really expect. I mean, he's doing a pretty good job of chasing down plays in the backside of runs. He's doing a good job of holding the point of attack on the edge um, and bursting through gaps to really affect the run. Um, and obviously we know that he can uh, rush the passer really well. Uh, but on top of that, you know, he's just flowing to the ball. He's you know, dropping into coverage, doing some good things. So a really impressive game for Brian Burns. And I mean, He's certainly a player that you can feel good about moving forward. I mean, the other players, they have to get on this level. I, I mean, that's just a simple truth. Uh, I know Corn uh, Elder, he was the second highest graded player according to Pro Football Focus, and he did actually, I thought, have a pretty good game. Yeah, he did, um, well. He did well. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I thought Dante had a okay game you know coverage he had the interception obviously and then he had gave up the touchdown to mike evans which is i mean it's a, it's a tough matchup for him i mean it's evans tough, is what right. six foot four and dante's five foot ten yeah i mean just speaking from a physical perspective it's very tough oh it's uh, like running metcalf quarter. last year when they went to metcalf yeah. down the boundary there against seattle um, yeah so similar. I mean, you can't yeah, just there's almost only so much you can do at five you know whatever five ten 
five nine is is a is a smaller corner to match up with that. So, I mean, it's encouraging that he competed. So I'll give him credit for that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, the defense really has to get to Brian Burns's level if they want to have a chance of um, being half decent. Right. Yeah, they uh, played Cornelder in the slot. Um, I'm I'm looking here at the snap count. Did Troy Pride play in this game? I don't know if he did. Um, he, he did. Played, he played eight, uh, eight snaps. Yeah. Eight snaps. Okay, thirteen percent. So obviously they they gave uh, Elder seventeen, uh, and I thought that was interesting. You know, Corn has flashed at times in camp, and that's all I can really say to that because I I don't have enough of his tape to know. I mean, obviously he gave up the big touchdown against Seattle to Moore back in eighteen, and that was an unfortunate spot he was in with Dante out. But um, I thought in inside there, you know, on that play where Burns I think got pressure and. They were able to uh, get them off the field. That was a key moment. Uh, defensive, I, I mean, there, there's a trend here. I'm seeing, you know, I, again, you don't want to put too much in two games, but they they seem to be making some decent adjustments at halftime. Uh, you know, again, the, the run defense was better this week. I think we expected that because uh, Oakland's a little more physical up front. Uh, but I think the adjustments they're making, again, I don't know schematically what it is. I haven't looked at it closely enough, but in terms of the energy level, I think it's a little better. They're making some good stops there when they have to, um, when they're climbing back into these games. Um, and again, they're aided a little bit by some unforced errors uh, from Tampa there. But uh, I, I was impressed by that, and I, I'm trying to give Phil Snow a little time here. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into this season a little bit weary about it because – uh, he just doesn't have the the NFL bona fides, and you know a lot of people don't think that matters. I I put some stock into that, but in terms of matching up with you know a guy like Bruce Arians, I thought he did a fairly good job there in the second half. But it's a players' league; players got to make plays. Where are yeah, you with so that? Where, then, where, where? Go ahead, go ahead, Bill. No, I mean just get your point. That that's kind of speaks to you know my evaluations of how the game went. Is the players have to make plays? So, I mean. It's a flea flicker, and Dante Jackson does really well on one side where he's covering the receiver down the field, and Rasul Douglas and Trey Boston inexplicably both bite on the run for no reason, which leaves a wide-open receiver, and they're lucky Brady is, you know, doesn't have the same arm strength because it would have been a touchdown. I mean, they did eventually score, but yeah, I mean, the underthrew him. I mean, that stuff can't happen. I mean, there were other times where they got fortunate to just – guys need to seriously just read their run keys and pass keys better. I mean, and by that is, you just have to read the offensive line. If he's coming out in a high stance, it's going to be a pass. If it's coming out in a low stance, then yeah, it's going to be a run. But right, it just I'm looking, your, I'm looking at your clip now from it, and you did a good job of uh, just diagram. Yeah, just do, everyone needs to just do their Trace job. Flat-footed right it's, at the forty-five. Yeah, it just it's just all fundamental stuff. I mean, I'm I'm not really here to blame the coaches because I mean, if you have individuals who are, you know, getting caught up like that. Right. I mean, especially a veteran like Trey Boston, who you paid good money for, he shouldn't yeah. be doing that. And it's, you know, six season in the NFL. I mean, that that's just you, you have to get better. So that's just where an issue that I, I can't blame the coaches. Now, if you want me to blame the coaches for signing to hear Whitehead, then I'm all for it because in that situation where you had the long Mike Evans reception, I mean, I thought the coffee was fine, but you're you're putting a guy like Whitehead in that situation, then you're asking for trouble. Right. I, I'm not, it's not amateur hour here. I'm not going to pretend to know enough schematically in game or overall, even to, about what's going on in that building to know, okay, you know, what is Phil Snow doing wrong or right here? It's very early. Okay. I'm looking at it from a macro level of how I would approach the staff 
process and building it from top to bottom. And that's not the route I would take. But overall, this is not Phil's fault. The call is there. They've got guys in position on the flea flicker. And you're right. You know, it's obviously the the play is a flea flicker all the way right when they start pitching it back. You know, Boston is in a losing position. But Douglas is in a losing position. Burris is already at the 46. And, uh, you know, Dante is the only member of the secondary running, you know, step for step. So uh, you got to execute. And that's the one thing I mentioned is you got to rely on your veterans now. These are veteran guys that are that are breaking down in coverages. And uh, these are the guys you lean on when you've got a young defense. And uh, to that point, you know, they've signed Tremaine Johnson to the practice squad, who's had, you know, a pretty decorated career up to the point where he went with the Jets and, you know, had some injury issues. And the Jets' Twitter hates his guts. I don't know enough about his Jets' experience to speak to that. Um, I'm, I'm certain we're going to see him pretty soon, uh, given the fact that they're trying to patchwork this secondary. I don't know where Eli Apple is in his recovery. But these are veterans. They're patching up on, on this on the back end here. Um, and they've got to be able to make plays. You're right. Um, it's, it's a little discouraging. It's a player's league, Bill, you know it. I mean, the players have got to make plays and, uh, Brian Burns right now on the front end is the only guy really threatening the quarterback. And, uh, Derek is, is growing and learning, but you talked about this during the draft. It's fair assessment. You know, his, his game is not pass rush and, uh, you're getting what you signed up for. Um, and you would hope in the running game he he makes a big rim pack, but without KK short by his side, it's tough sledding. So again, thirty one seventeen was the final here. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, folks. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Um, the fake punt, Billy, your thoughts? Inexcusable. Plus 36-yard line, Billy. I don't know what the wind was. It's a 53-yarder. Uh, it's, give, give, give me your take on it. You're, you're really trying to make me upset, aren't you? No, I want you to be honest, man. I, wa- I want you to tell me what's going on in Matt Rule's head there. He's got to pull the trigger on that call. Um, I'm not being overly critical here. Look, it's, it's early on. He's learning his ropes here. But that, to me, I, I, I'll, just, I'll start out. Fundamentally speaking, I don't see too many teams lining up in a punt formation traditionally at the plus 36, first of all. Okay, so that's sort of a tip right there. I mean, that's football 101. I don't care if you're coaching high school, college pros. I've talked to a number of coaches that I know from the college level and high school level today, and they're all scratching their heads. You know, what are we doing here? 
the execution, obviously, you know, you've got an eight-man box against seven blockers, and it's a direct snap to Chin, and they read it. Matt Rule seemed to pin it on a missed block. Um, I hated the call. I thought it was a bad decision. Uh, again, if, if you've got an opportunity to go for it there, then go for it. Put your best weapons out there when McCaffrey's still healthy and get the yards. Otherwise, try the long field goal. But uh, that's that's inexplicably bad, I think. I, I just I, I don't see the logic Look, in it. it's fourth and one. You're down, what, 14 points at that point? You're down. Yeah, you're in a hole. Fourth and one. Go for it. Why not, right? What do the analytics it, say? This this franchise has has talked analytics all offseason, Billy. You tell me, if you're fine, what analytics would tell you there? <laughs> nothing. That's that's not even <laughs> analytics. That's just like well, it's common sense. Common that's sense. What I'm saying. Right. You're, they you're, talked you're a game about down. how they, they got the Megamind big brains running this organization now, and they can't make a simple fourth and one call. It's so frustrating. Like, what goes through your head in that situation? Like, who tells you it's a good idea? To just not only send out the punt team, but then do a fake punt with a second round rookie. There's no innovation to it either. There's no creativity. Nothing to to, to misdirect the front box. They're lined up in a base. They're lined up in a base defense. I mean, they expect it. Yeah, that was um, truly true. I, I have time for you know coaches to get their schematics and certain things right, but but that is just inexcusable on multiple levels. That it, it really, really, really does not deserve my you know, ire, essentially. It, it was, it was just, I'm above that. God damn it. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. I people just can't love even believe Billy. Come on. People love a little anger, a little fire in the belly with Billy, man. It's fine. I mean, look, it, it's, you're, you're I'm, exactly I'm willing right. to, There's certain if this, what, what can you say though? You're right. What can you say to that? It, it, it was so inexplicably stupid. It, there's no analysis to be had there. I have no idea. Like, what goes? Has has? Did anyone ask him about that? Like, any reporters? They, like, what was his mindset there? They did. G- give me just a minute here. I'm going to go back to the the presser. I had it pull up a minute. I one of the reporter. Of course, I'm not in the Zoom meetings, so guys, you know, just be aware that I've got questions. And but, but still, like, that's not where just, I'm at. But I, I, he, somebody I did ask it. You know, they he they they said that. Uh, uh, he basically, it was a decision that uh, was made, and and again, the the one thing that it looks like Matt is pinning it on. I don't have the comments from here, but I do have some recollection of the press conference. There wasn't a lot said about it. He said, you know, obviously missed the block. That's pretty much his takeaway from it. I don't know if he owned up to it and said, you know, it's my. I'm not worried about all that. Look, it is what it is. I don't care if he's owning it or not or what words he's got to say. It was a terrible call, and it no, was just you, a you, terrible situational football on his part. Yeah, and that's why I'm curious, like, what goes through his head in that situation? Yeah. Like, what makes you think that not going for it is the right decision? I don't know. And I think that that's two weeks now where we looked at a situation, in a fairly critical situation, um, where, you know, you're fourth and one. You've got your strength. It's and your fourth and one from the 36. Offense. That's well, just, 36. like, it's... It's not even like a nineteen, like like nineteen ninety or two, early two thousand. Like I don't, I don't even, like I don't even think John Fox would have done that. <laughs> I thought about Foxy when I saw that. I was like, if it was uh, if it was fourth and 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 one, he would have punted. He would have he would have taken the delay and punted. That's and and I, honestly, I, I would have had less of a problem with that 
than than what he did there. Here's what he had to say. This is according to Jim Zoki, who's our good friend from the Panthers radio network and WBT. Coach Rule in the fake punt. We went into the week thinking if they're in a punt safe, uh, they are a defense that stands up and we could get a yard. We missed one block and it didn't work. That was his explanation, Bill. So, so he, I guess my explanation was, was he planning to punt there? Um, it doesn't sound like he was. It looks like they they found something they liked there in terms of uh, a punt safe look. That's according to Jim Zoki from the Matt Rule press conference. And All they right. thought they well, could get a yard. I, I don't, him... Maybe that's a call that he looked like he was talking to Jansen afterwards. Maybe Jansen and, and, and Charlton made that on the chin was part of the audibleization on that. I don't know if it's just they went into it and decided this is what we're going to do. So strap it on. But uh, you're not nobody punts from the 36. You're going to at least take a delay if you're going to do that. And that's that's 90s football. I mean, it, that, nobody doesn't go for a fourth and one at the 36 on the road down 14. You just you go for it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I, <laughs> that's all I got on that. I, I just. Anyway. I know it's it's yeah, it, it is what it is. There's there's no turning back from it. It's happened. Um statistically overall in the first half, um the, just to give you guys kind of a final breakdown, it, it didn't start both Carolina offensively, one of five on third downs, um or actually two of five on third downs. Um Tampa was five of eight on third downs, much more efficient. Uh field position, I was disappointed. You know, obviously Farrell Cooper had a nice jolt for this team in week one, and they just did not get the same opportunities there. No kick returns. And uh, in the punting game, he, he muffed one a bit and uh, just didn't have the opportunities there. So they didn't win the field position game, which I thought was their best opportunity to get a splash play on special teams. Um, and the turnover ratio was brutal. So again, just from a, a, a whole scope level of the game here, they, they made too many mistakes against on paper, a much more talented football team. And uh, they took them down to the final eight minutes. And that's growth in one way. But again, when it's the veterans making the mistakes, not the the young guys, that's that's disappointing. You got any uh, closing thoughts on this one, Billy? No, nothing else, I guess. I think you did a pretty good job of, you know, covering all angles. But yeah, I mean, it's, again, another game that I expected to go. Um, you know, the way it did. I mean, there, there it wasn't a blowout. They were pretty competitive coming back. Um, and I just think that's the way it's going to be throughout the season, um, even with McCaffrey injured. Radio, we got uh, the LA Chargers coming up Sunday. Of course, uh, the Roar will be right back with you here on Blue Wire on Friday with our uh, weekly preview with a special unannounced guest at this point. We'll be working on that. And uh, much more from Billy and I throughout the week. On Twitter, you can check me out at uh, One Panther Place. You can check Billy out at Billy M underscore 91 for all the film study nuggets and uh, a little bit of snark, I'm sure, from my end and some humor and satire to keep you smiling through what's a very challenging 2020 season. For Billy Marshall, I'm John Ellis. Thanks for listening to The Roar on Blue Wire. We'll see you next time. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all 
all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.